Stephen Strange. Might I offer you some advice? Forget everything that you think you know. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. You've spent your life trying to widen it. Your work saved the lives of thousands. What if I told you that reality is one of many? Hey, everybody. Uh, Welcome to the Wages of Cinema. I'm Andrew. I'm Jack. And we with have... us today is guest star Matt. Hi, I'm guest star Matt. Yes, we are having uh, back guest star Matt because he has been the guestiest of the guest stars. Plus, he's also the guy who knows his comic books. And we saw a comic book movie today. Oh, did we see a comic book movie? Oh, yes. my God. The indefeatable Doctor Strange. Is that what he's called in the comics? No. That would be interesting to have a comic book hero called the indefeatable X or whatever name. There's the it's unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and it's fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> can I swear? Because I just did. Yeah, you can, you can swear. Okay. We're, we're, we, we allow explicit content now. I mean, it doesn't make you a good person, but... No. Anyway. But, uh, anyway, Strange. Um, Doctor Strange. Yes. It, uh... I like this movie a lot. I'll just, I'll just start. Alright. That's my first reaction to it. I mean, I don't know how else to start this, except to say this is my kind of comic book movie. Nice. Is yeah. it because it looked all fancy? It's because it looked psychedelic as shit. Yeah. Oh my god. We've finally entered into like this is this this just usually doesn't happen. You don't get like two hundred million dollar comic book movies. I don't know if that's the actual budget, but I'm just making that the budget and guessing. You'll get two hundred dollar comic book million dollar. Bleh. You'll get two hundred million dollar <laughs> comic book movies that have sequences that look like they were possibly excised from the Tree of Life. Ah, yeah. Or from like some forgotten 70s sci-fi movie that you know didn't have the budget to do everything it wanted or like the other thing i whispered to you i think at one point uh especially during one of the major action scenes was christopher nolan take that yeah <laughs> there were times when you know i don't like to talk in the theater but when i uh, there were times when i just wanted to, wanted to put that 2001 music to this and just go <laughs> well during that one sequence which when that suddenly came that that comes about what maybe you'd say 20 25 minutes into the movie right it comes after the initial setup of who strange is and actually we should maybe should we maybe talk about the plot well at least well not even so much the full plot because there's a lot that goes on in this movie but just like because who is steven strange because he is known to a lot of hardcore comic book people, but this is Marvel taking another one of their maybe slight risks, you could say, because even though magic is popular with people, sorcery is popular, this, something that's a little bit heady and a little bit more literally otherworldly can be a little bit of a trip. All right, so the basic plot is this. Stephen Strange is a world-renowned brain surgeon, neurosurgeon, He's awesome as hell, and he's arrogant as hell as oh, well. Oh, completely arrogant. Oh, yeah. Played by Benedict Cumberbatch. 
And he gets into a car accident, wrecks his hands, and he's looking for a way to heal himself, and he finds this place with mystical powers, and he starts to become a sorcerer. In yeah. a nutshell, you you kind of got it, yeah. Yeah. And then he becomes... Don't he waste find, time, Jack. Yeah, well, well, not... Well, he goes to heal his hands, and then he discovers a whole other world that he was not expecting. Just like a, in Aladdin. Yeah. I was thinking of Aladdin at one point for a big reason. Wow, seriously? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I, should I go into that? You two no. are simpatico. <laughs> the cape. The cape oh. makes me think of his carpet. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. both made of cloth. They have also, like, I remember as a kid, I thought, like, even though it was a small thing, the way that his carpet was animated, it looked really cool. And there were a couple of times where it was actually done with 1992's version of CGI. Um... But also just the way that it moves, the way that it reacts. The car, the the cape is another character. Yeah, it's too bad it's not in the movie more. It he just kind of gets it. It does some cool things. Uh, it doesn't have too much of a presence though. But I don't it, it think does I expected enough... much of a presence from a cape. It's that well, helps it, doesn't fly. En- it doesn't have enough collar to it. If it had the ginormous collar with the gold trim, then you would have said that cape has a lot of presence. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I noticed, I think I overheard you perking up a little bit when, like, his collar got raised yes. for a moment. Yeah. He popped the collar. Is, yeah. that, is that how he looks in the comics, more no. so? No, well, it's a little bit more so, but I just like the fact that he does, like, the preppy collar pop. Yeah. Now, I should say that I haven't really, I don't really know the Strange comics very well, but what this reminded me of at times, with it being so, literally, this is a movie about, like, the mystic arts. Right. And... It made me think at times of stuff that I've read from like Grant Morrison, and uh, and also um, maybe not quite to this extreme, but some of the really heady sci-fi comics that Jack Kirby did in the seventies with like the Fourth World, where it's just all right. And then, Grant, that's a little bit more sci-fi than this, but just in the sense of like we are going to take you out of reality and put you into. Something completely different. Has Doctor Strange always had had this sort of psychedelic tinge to it, or is yes. that something no, that's, that's unique to this film? No, that's that's Steve Ditko bringing all his crazy op artness into the Marvel world. Yeah, mm. well, he was the so was he the original artist or is it Kirby? He was the original artist. Okay, it's a, it's a Ditko and Lee joint. Yeah, that scene. Now I'm really curious to read get to get some of those comics after seeing this. Hold, oh my god. Um... Yeah, like it's uh, just get out of the way. I think you, like even even if you're not even if you don't really know much about Strange, even if you are a little hesitant because I'm a little tired of Marvel, this deserves to be seen on a big screen. Yes, can we kind of agree on that? It's very pretty. It is like it's like it made me feel like oh, this is what one of these event films looks like. Like that they really use their visual effects to the maximum like uh, it, it, the visual effects department on this is insanely talented mm. the creative just beyond like i i know like you could say it gets repetitive oh it's like a kaleidoscopic uh view of things but i feel like they make really good use of how they shape cities and how these like uh, sorcerers are battling out in these cities and are reshaping and using all of their techniques to bend all of space and time 
And they certainly put in a lot, a lot of thought into how they were going to reset, represent the world of magic. Yes. I mean, do you do it where just people are shooting energy bolts out of their hands, or do you try to do something more with it? And they certainly take an interesting approach to it, where the world changes in this kaleidoscopic way, which is really intriguing. I don't know if they use it, though, to a great effect in the action films. In, you mean it the action looks scenes? cool. Yes, in the action yeah, scenes. The, well, you're saying action films. It's Sorry. like we're going to have more of these, scene. I guess. Um, uh, I don't know if the... If, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but... You don't think they used it enough? No, they used it very well. Like It looks cool. Oh, man. I don't more know, than how, cool. it's I don't know how like the cool looks, though, enhance the actual action of the film. I, I think it enhanced... Well, it made it look like as real as it could be at least under these certain like it, it's taken what you've seen in i'm not quite sure what other kind of movies to compare it to maybe like you know what i thought of a couple of times that this was like almost, maybe trying to be a better version of the what? matrix really in a way not not quite to that effect i know in that you know, Keanu. Reeves. I actually thought of Keanu Reeves a couple of times. Like sometimes Benedict Cumberbatch looks like Keanu Reeves to me. Mm. I don't know if, if you saw that, Matt. Uh, they both have good cheekbones and noses. Yeah, they have a little bit of that. I mean, his voice is obviously different in this. And I guess it's Oscar also be for best cheekbones goes to <laughs> yeah Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and the only way he's getting an Oscar. Now, I mean, there is. Oh. A, now, I don't mean the. I don't know how why why I'm comparing it to that. I guess because in a way it's it's about the, it's, it's, it's the about hero's journey. Things. It's about the hero's journey. It's about expanding your consciousness. It's about finding out there's more to the world that you think you mm -hmm. know, but it's actually more about opening your mind and, and mar doing martial it. arts. It's yeah. basically the standard Marvel formula. It mm. does seem a little bit that way. I mean, this I, one it, one of the things that. Uh, I I don't know if we should get into this right now. This is sort of a uh, a spoiler thing, so I'll get into that later. Wait, what, what you mean like plot wise, or like something about something else? Plot wise, I would say it's pretty similar to what's come before. Yeah. Um. I mean, a little bit in the sense of yeah. I mean, you can compare it to Iron Man as well. Obviously, like you got the arrogant, full of himself jerk who's like, well, I'm so great at what I do, and objectively go yeah you you are like kind of a genius but you're also terrible at people skills yeah and you can't relate to people and Stephen obviously Strange is kind of like a, a medical version of tony stark in the beginning of this film medical yeah i mean he maybe a little bit colder in a way like he he has like his sarcastic quips but it's like well, he, you know say... robert Downey jr brings a little bit more braggadocio okay I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, in that way. I, I'm, the thing for me, like, I, I, I almost would not quite put this on par with Iron Man, but it's, it's up there with some of my, one of the better Marvel movies for me, just because, yeah, it does follow a bit of the formula in terms of the, the hero's arc, but I feel like there are a lot of little things with the characters, like, how they, end up being developed and certain things i'm not going to go into right now with certain major characters that surprised me and then made what strange has to do and how he's going to find himself to be a little bit more interesting for me 
in terms of storytelling, the Marvel plot structure hasn't seemed to have evolved very much. What no. I mean is, is like, really? they uh, there is this sort of standard, this is my life before this thing happens to me. Then this thing happens to me, and then I go on this sort of heroic is, journey. Is it hard though? Do you think though? Is do you, are are the Marvel the filmmakers who make these movies are they a little bit stuck based on what the origins are for these characters, and that even if they change some details, they still have to kind of stick to that origin? Well, that's the very tricky thing about superhero films: is that you have the origin film, yeah. which is usually pretty important because it's hard like, to start yeah. with several characters. It's hard to start with somebody like Doctor Strange and not and just kind of accept him right off the bat without going into a little bit of his origins and who he is and try to show people where he's coming from and what his whole world is. Yeah. And that's kind of, in this environment of filmmaking, people... I think studios want to start at that square one for each character. Yeah. Now, that's not that I'm saying you, you can't do an origin story. What I'm saying is is that in terms of the structure of the plot, Marvel films tend to be kind of long in, like, prologue. Hmm. I mean, the real... St this film goes through about 20 minutes of storytelling before it actually gets to what is the beginning of the story, when Strange ends up in Nepal. You know, he's looking in for... uh, a cat man do right. <laughs> he, you know, that that's really the beginning of the story where he's like, he's he's hit rock bottom, he's taking this one final chance to try to fix his hands, which are his, not only his livelihood, but it's his whole reason for being. Yeah, he can't be a neurosurgeon if his hands are shaking, like, uh, like, uh, give me something that shakes a lot, Matt. Uh, who's the dancer on dashboard? There we go. <laughs> I, I he can't. I that that's the whole reason why he's there. And really, the story starts there. In, in terms of structure, that's where it should be. Everything before that, I mean, his accident, his life before that, everything from there is prologue. Hmm. Now it's interesting to see, but you can could reorganize the story in a much you more mean, or, or interesting you, or way. Or do you mean that it could have been faster? Not necessarily faster. I mean, it's just it's just that all the Marvel films do this. They start with this very long prologue about who these people are, and then they don't actually get to the story they're trying to tell until you know I, twenty minutes into one, the film. One, I, I would agree with you. Like in a way, that was actually oddly enough my problem with Ant Man uh -huh. to a slight degree. I felt like that was that was where I was starting to feel it getting formulaic, and I enjoyed Ant Man. But that, to me, felt a little bit in that way. I, mean, I, I would of... say, with this, though, I feel like, you know, it's good to have that little bit of time to get to know Strange, so that then you have that contrast with everybody else that's in that place in Kathmandu. Uh, and also, with this is a... Trying to have, like, having the origin story with this movie, there's a lot of heady things to get through in introducing this world and even though strange is kind of a dick you need to have somebody that you can kind of tether to but, but the in thing this is, situation i don't think it's that complicated i agree right mm. yeah. right how complicated is this dr strange is a sorcerer who protects earth from supernatural threats don't in one yeah and it's like, if it's magical, he takes care of it. He uses magic to do things. Hmm. How complicated is that? I feel like it's kind of like the, um, one sort of 
double-edged sword with Marvel is that they did Iron Man right off the bat and they had a really strong, successful movie mm. and they took that formula and they never want to really vary from that when it comes to the solo introductory films, at least, is that they mm. always just go back to the Iron Man formula because it works. Yeah. But they're not really doing anything experimental with it or trying to shake things up at all. They're just always being well, safe. Well, talk about, uh, think about Ant-Man, which you really like. Ant-Man I, I, I really enjoy also. But I, the story of Ant-Man begins with that heist of... What's this, his name? Uh, Hank, uh, Hank, Hank Pym's house. house. Yeah. That's where the story starts. Yeah. No, I, but I agree. everything before that, you know, a good 20 S- minutes. Setting is, up the, do- the daughter is, thing. Yeah. This yeah. is, you but, know, the birthday party and like, oh, he was in prison and the prologue with like, oh, I'm not working for S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. And then like Thor. It's like that story begins when Thor ends up on Earth. But everything before that is like, oh, this is Asgard and these are the Frost Giants and this is everything. All that is prologue. So you're right, Matt. It's they're basically using the same structure all right. as they so had in Iron. All right. So can I say it in this way? I found the prologue here much more interesting to me than something like Ant Man or even a, or even like Thor. There's or interesting like that. information in there and certain interesting character work, like you know, or, or Benedict Cumberbatch. I feel like has a really good presence in the movie. Yeah, too. and and all that stuff is really cool. I mean, especially when he's yelling I, at his girlfriend. I feel like the whole being thing the biggest with, dick in the world. I feel like the, the the what makes the journey a little different for me too than some of the other movies. But with Ant Man or something like that, or I'm trying to think of another type of origin film I could think of. Uh, maybe Thor doesn't work as well. Ironically, I was almost trying to think of Captain America, but on, but oddly enough, the first act of that movie is my favorite part of that movie. Mm. When they actually get into the plot, then it actually kind of gets a little duller for me but Cap- uh, well, he, he, captain america is, is kind of right. weird so He's- Stephen strange wrecks his hands in this car accident this is how this is what he's kind of taken for granted his whole life being or, awesome being awesome well but he but he used but he's his ego is all about like his brain in a way like uh, makes you think of somebody like uh like walter white or something from like breaking bad maybe not to that depth not obviously. me because i haven't seen the show okay but you know, now he's actually has to deal with this real physical problem that he has, and he doesn't really understand how it's a lot more emotional. It's a lot more about something deeper and getting rid of his preconceived notions about himself. And to me, I found that part of the journey interesting and a little different than some of the other origin stories I've seen. Um, again, that's just my take on it. I don't know. I mean, I, again, I, I guess we're kind of disagreeing a little bit. I, but, but I think a lot of mo- Marvel movies deal with that. Thor deals with that. Thor yeah. thinks he's the most important guy in the world. Um, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. Tony Stark thinks he can do that. Tony uh, Stark, though, is it, like... To me, oddly enough, I almost feel like this handles like that part of the emotional arc. Not better, but it handles it in a way that's a little... Here's what I think that this has going for it, which is really good. Uh, Doc, Stephen Strange is written very well. Yes, he's yeah. a well-written character. He has great lines. Yeah, and Even how though, he how how he responds to characters like uh, there's certain moments that I guess I can't get into yet because it's really deep plot stuff. But there's one scene between him and Mads Mikkelsen, which I really liked a lot. Mm. Um, it's let's it, I guess you could call it an exposition dump, but it's like something about it kind yes. of clicked with me a little there bit more. Quite a few exposition dumps in this film as well. It's now I'm gonna say now I'm I'm feeling like I'm gushing over the movie. I do have some 
I do have some little issues. Okay. I'm not going to like say, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. I do have some little problems. Oh my god, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. It's ruined all, <laughs> it's yes. ruined all other movies I, for Jack. That's I, the problem. I, I'm, 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 secret, I'm secretly the bum reviewer yeah. who has somehow come into money in Little Ferry, New Jersey. Right. Um... Can I, I don't know if I should bring it up now. It's not really a spoiler. It's just something little. Um, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Well, we know she's in the movie. So. Well, we know. Yeah. So we know she's in the movie. I found her a little one note. She doesn't have much to no, do. No, she just is kind of there. She gives like her, um, you know, speeches. Right. And, you know, she has the moments where she kind of has to impact Strange and move him along on his track. And yet, it, it just, either, I don't know if it was in the writing or in the performance, but something about it felt, that felt a little bit standard to me. And also, another thing about her is the whitewashing, because the Ancient uh, One is supposed yeah. to be an old Tibetan guy, and see, I like the fact that they made her a woman, because there weren't a lot of important women roles, but they could have picked, like, an Asian woman to be there, like Michelle mm. Yeoh would have been really great in that role, and so it kind of... Already has the mighty whitey thing with Strange going to Kathmandu to learn magic, and then they have and the being magic. Really awesome and about being it. Really awesome at it, and then they have his basically his super magic um, teacher boss person is also a mighty white person, and they go out of, uh, and they they go, out of, they go out of their way to say, oh, she's Celtic, but she's living in Kathmandu and dressing like Tibetan style and doing all sorts of kung fu -y type things right. and having like magic fans and stuff right. and it's all very like eh, this is really borderline it, offensive guys. Yeah, it feels like a white character being dressed up in the garb of a character who is probably Asian. Yeah. It's see and it, that makes that choice of Tilda Swinton seem really silly. Yes. It, uh, it's not as if she's bad though. No, she she does. She comes and she works. I yeah. The thing that's why I don't know. I guess if I if I had obviously again, this is coming from somebody who hasn't read the comics, so everybody re listening to this should take it with a grain of salt. I wasn't as bothered by it as I thought like I should be, or maybe as I was told I was going to be. Like just because Someone told I, you how you know what it you is. You know what it is. If she was the only white person there and everybody else was Asian, I would have noticed it more. Or if. But they have Mads Mikkelsen as the as the the villain. They have uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor there. Uh, so and then also the guy who's cured Benjamin Bratt. So it's like we don't have much of uh, no no. You can say that it is all the other people who happen to be in that location. We have Chiwetel Ejiofor. What's his name? Wong. Uh, Wong. Who's also played by a Wong. Right. <laughs> Is his name Benedict Wong? Yeah. Wong as Wong. Yeah, that's a pretty cool uh, name. Those are the only two. It is a pretty characters small cast. in that location, aside from Tilda Swinton's Ancient One and Benedict Cumberbatch as Stephen Strange. I mean, basically, with a few extras to round it out and make it seem like a big school, those are four characters. Mm. I mean, pretty mixed in terms of ethnicity. Uh, still seems a bit weak hmm. now, uh, you know what it is like in a way my, my problem wasn't so much uh, no I mean obviously yeah would have an Asian actress been better in that yeah obviously it would have fit more the setting I I ultimately tried I ultimately went with it because you know a I'm not I'm not gonna stay offended through like a whole performance like that my problem more so was what they actually did in the writing of it and how 
And yet, it's it's weird yeah. There is a problem with with that with the writing of the ancient one. I mean, is that all they call her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we, we can just, just double. We're check not dodging that. anything. No. She's <laughs> definitely the, the ancient one. Yep. She's just called the ancient one. She and, is a little uh, inconsistent, especially early on. Mm-hmm. She set. She kicks. Doc, she kicks Doctor Strange out of the school when he asks her to teach him. Basically, after showing her, showing him all the cool stuff she can do. Yes. And then she's like, "No, I'm not going to teach you. Kick you out." Mm. And then she changes her mind. Not ten minutes of screen time later, after someone says, "You know, he was really useful. We could use him." Okay, I changed my mind. I yeah. I mean, I yeah. That was one of the things. I mean, I uh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. So she was somebody who was a little problematic. And then, like, um, even though, like, I'm, I'm still uncertain how I feel about her in, like, the second half of the movie when a certain reveal happens that I'm not going to well, go we'll into. we'll talk about that in spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, this is a small acting ca- character thing. I'm just looking in the cast list. Michael Stuhlbarg is in the movie. He, like, is one of the doctors at the hospital. His character's named Dr. Nicodemus West. That's oh, a he cool has, name. He has to be somebody in the Marvel universe yes. who is like yeah. for some reason. Yeah, I hope you, he comes you back don't in the get sequel. Get a name like Nicodemus West just by being. A imagine, side imagine if you're Michael Stuhlbarg and you tell your friends, "Oh yeah, I'm going to be in a Marvel movie. I get to play Nicodemus West. Oh, that's great! I can't wait to see him in the movie." And they put him in there, and he has a scene with a vending machine. I can. And- Although I. <laughs> I, I don't think necessarily that was going to set anything up for, like, a sequel. I think they're just like, we have a character. What are we going to name him? Pick a name out of a Doctor Strange comic book. There you go. Yeah. 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 I hate it when Marvel does that. Like, you've pointed out... You've pointed this out, I think, when we saw Iron Man 3, that there was some... There was a woman who was named after, like, a character who was somebody's wife or something. Ellen Brandt, the wife of the man thing. Right. Yes. There. Well, what was and that? it's like... Well, and. And, okay, thank you for the interesting fact. Again, though, uh, the thing I would say is, who cares? <laughs> or, the, or, the, or the post-credit scene in X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, yeah. I Wasn't forgot that about that. <laughs> Everybody forgot about that. Yeah, what, what happened? They see a Wolverine's blood, and they put it in a briefcase, and it says Essex Corp on it. Oh, yeah. yeah. And nobody what the hell does, is that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's supposed to mean it's going to a corporation that's run by Mr. Sinister. Yeah, but again... That's for, like, you know, I wouldn't know that. But they're going to tell you about that in Logan next, I so I just guess. wait. <laughs> anyhow. Anyhow, so this another, movie, another thing Mr. Sister. That a problem I had is um, they don't do a heck of a lot with Rachel McAdams. No. And Rachel McAdams, hmm. I like seeing her, but she... She they, does a really good she job. She does a good job. Actually, I, she has, I felt her But they the don't movie. they don't give her a role that lets her do anything. She's, like, the obligatory ex-girlfriend character, and I hmm. think that is like kind of underwhelming for an actress of her talents. She, she yeah, her her role is very is not very different from the role Natalie Portman has in Thor. It's or not very different from Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, right, uh, um, Gwyneth Paltrow in the Iron Man series or any of the other female characters. You basically yeah, you've been talking about. Is she yeah. another Dr. Jane Foster, you'd say? Um, Maybe even less useful, you could say. Right, what no, she actually she is useful he in a couple useful, scenes. Yeah. Like he co- he goes to the hospital for a reason because he knows, hey, she's a really great surgeon. She can help me when a I'm possibly injured or somebody close to me is injured. Yes. So yeah. I guess in a sense, her most the part where she is there the most is in the first act. Yeah. But then of course it's the story is about him. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess. In a way, you could say, on the other hand, 
if they tried to put her in more and try to shoehorn in like as a love story, it might be a little much. Okay. So I think that's but, like the other side to I say that. I think the thing that I'm going to bring in, I'm not, this is not necessarily a spoiler, but it's more of a comic book thing, is that I object to them, not necessarily object, I just don't think, okay, here, let me lay it out in the comics. Okay. okay, take your time. Okay, in the comics, um, Doctor Strange's main love interest is Clea, and she's like an extra dimensional witch, and I think it would have been much <laughs> more interesting if they had... Um, taken Rachel McAdams and given her the part of Clea because you don't really need more regular mundane human people. You get her in, she's doing magic, she can hang out and help with the main plot. And yeah. She has cool hair and a cool costume and she doesn't have to be just the long-suffering obligatory bystander in the picture. Ra yeah, Rachel McAdams is Christine Palmer. She, se she seems very tangential to mm -hmm. the film we're presented here. And, you know, we, we have the choice, going back to your idea, I mean, if we have the choice between another surgeon and an interdimensional witch, then I think the choice is very clear. Well, <laughs> I, but how do you work that into the story, though? Well, There's... you can't fault the, the, the script for not taking certain ideas. Uh, yeah. But it still remains that that character... Mm -hmm does not integrate well into the main plot. They find places to fit her in, and they find places where her character can be useful, but ultimately, could you she's have... Not, she's not really there at the end. No. I, ultimately, she's not important to the plot. And she feels, again, she's like... She's important to the character. Yes, but it's not in a way that really speaks to the main theme of the film i mean mm. it's about dr strange overcoming himself how is his old girlfriend important to this except for him to be a dick to her in the beginning of the film mm. and then not be a dick to her at the end of the film i mean i guess you make a good point i mean he has to kind of reconcile with her but yeah no i guess you're saying the construction might just be I, it, it feels again like another element of the marvel formula where you have the love interest who you have a rocky relationship with who well, is again, just this regular who's just this regular person and then you try to tell a story about a superhero and in this case a interdimensional sorcerer and still have her be interesting in the plot. Mm. Yeah, 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 no. It, it doesn't is. work too well in this example. Okay. Well, let me talk about one of the things I really like though because how they use time is really clever to me. How so? Well, especially in the last act, which well, that's I, a spoiler. Not yeah. so much a, spo I'll try <laughs> to a say, spoiler. I'll try to say it in vague terms. The the execution of what they do with concepts of time really impressed me and really kept me. Not only engaged, but extremely entertained. I know it's very vague to say it like that, but um, like it, it just seemed like that was something else I felt Marvel was trying to do a little bit differently than in other stories. Where again, it's much more it's much more earthbound, with the exception of Guardians of the Galaxy. They don't deal with anything metaphysical. Um, well, I have a question. What do you think about how um, like again bring back how it is like Marvel movies? One one moment that did kind of like, huh, me was, is it a spoiler bring up Infinity Stones? Yes, but they bring them up in other movies. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's just really a spoiler. I, I mean, yeah. by now we like Jack, people we can save it for a whole part where it's people know save for spoilers. People know that Avengers: Infinity War is coming but, out. Okay, but I mean, do you want to just go to the spoiler part now instead, so we don't have to debate what's a spoiler and what's not a spoiler? Maybe we should in a minute. But one, actually, I was thinking really fast though. Um, we actually saw the movie with someone else, and I'd just be kind of curious to hear her thoughts briefly, Corey. Would you like to come in on this for a second? So, uh, we we were joined by another per- fe- fellow in our fellowship of the, the movie fourth, going. The fourth uh, wages of cinema. Yeah, our yes. our Ringo. Um, no, she's much prettier than that. Uh, <laughs> so, how would you think of the movie? Hey, Corey, what'd you think? I don't really have much to contribute that you hadn't already said. Well, don't Generally, worry, we'll just cut it out. <laughs> yeah, generally speaking of like cut, reducing women parts that's... <laughs> generally my feelings about the movie were very positive I but after everything Andrew said <laughs> I did I didn't agree with Andrew's comments about the beginning of the film before he loses his hands I did agree with Matt's comment that Rachel McAdams was underutilized as a character until the Swinton was kind of one note. But you know, um, Jack, that Cargill said that that was to placate the Chinese audience who would never accept a Tibetan. Uh, well, well, I should, well, I should give a little more context. Uh, so the co-writer of this movie is this guy, C. Robert Cargill, uh, uh, he used to be known as Carlisle on the website Spill.com, which I am a huge fan You're of. Revealing his secret identity, Jack. <laughs> oh my God, he's gonna come after me. <laughs> um, well, he also he used he used to write for Any Cool News as well, and he moved on to screenwriting. He uh, co-wrote Sinister, um, and, and the director of Sinister also did this, so I guess that's why he brought him on. Um, yeah, and in an interview, now again, you might say, well, that's not. That still doesn't excuse what happened. Like, yeah, he basically said in an interview I saw. But we're talking about back, logistical reasons for making the the ancient one a white yeah. Person. Apparently, if they made her a Tibetan, that like apparently China still has this huge problem with Tibet, well, and you are, apparently would have lost that audience. There are actresses who are Asian that aren't Tibetan. Oh no no no! I'm gone. not saying he's yeah. correct. I'm just stating yeah. what his rationale that was, was which is what Corey is. Yeah, his referencing. argument was. The character now, can't be Tibetan. Can I just ask you a question then? Uh-huh. Did you think the quote-unquote wife washing was a problem then? I mean, I think it's kind of bizarre to set your movie even in Nepal and then have the majority of the people there not Asian. Mm. I do think that's kind of weird. It's not a deal breaker to me. I mean... You could say that um, that's only because I'm a white person, so... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't know that. Really? Damn, we thought your name was, like... Corey, you only think that because you're a white person. (laughs) (laughs) Now take your privilege on Skidella. Yeah, I said it. You don't feel that burning, like, Guatemalan heart in your soul? No? I... I do think it's fishy, and honestly, I don't buy the argument either that 
Tilda Swinton was the only person they could cast because it's not yeah. like they used any of her distinct qualities as an actress. She almost in this film. did. You do? Yeah. I have a weird point. Do you think they cast her because she maybe looked a little bit Asian in no. the eyes? No, she basically looks androgynous. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was why. So, Especially because, since she was well, I bald. mean, we know that the one thing about Tilda Swinton is she can be kind of a chameleon and do a lot of different roles. She's a scroll. Yeah, but I. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I do agree with Matt's point. I actually thought of Michelle Yeoh too. Like, I don't know why. Like, maybe they thought for some reason Tilda Swinton is more bankable. Like, I put that as a question type of tone because I didn't I, think she was that bankable. But it's not even that she's bad in the film. It's just no. that her character is written inconsistently and that she doesn't have much to do in the film except be yeah. this awesome mentor and sorcerer. But, you know, she doesn't do much beyond what's to just be, required for the role. She's a walking, uh, talking fortune cookie, basically. Now, to be fair, mm -hmm. though... If they had if they had cast someone else and kept the writing the same, the problems might still be there. Yeah. Yeah, but we wouldn't have to have this I, really the, awkward conversation. The, yeah. the, <laughs> faults, the faults of this character do not fall upon Tilda Swinton's shoulders alone. Yeah. Yes. No, not at all. Yeah. It's all every. It's the writing around her. Yeah. And it's the whole situation around this character. None of this is Tilda Swinton's fault. Yeah, I don't. I, I think she didn't do a bad job. It's just that the character she got was just kind of poorly written. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, while I do think it would have been better to cast an Asian actor, I don't think it would have completely eliminated the problem. So no. I think the whitewashing was a problem, but it wasn't a big enough problem to detract... Um, from the film, so the whitewashing wasn't enough of a problem for me to take it from a movie I liked to a movie I disliked, and honestly, that's probably why whitewashing will continue in Hollywood, because it bothered me, but it wasn't a deal-breaker. It didn't keep me from seeing this film. Yeah, and well, yeah, it's not well, like... We can talk more about that when Ghost in the Shell comes out. <laughs> <laughs> and while yeah. I feel like everything I've said in this podcast has been critical of the film. I actually, I did enjoy it. So I still saw the film. I still paid for the film. I still enjoyed the film. So unfortunately that's why whitewashing continues because, um, lazy white privileged people like me um, <laughs> are bothered by it, but we don't put our money where our mouth ha is. Hashtag white privilege. And whitewashing is going to continue until there are financial consequences for whitewashing. That's not happening for Marvel anytime too soon. So it did bother me, but I almost feel kind of like a hypocrite for even saying it bothered mm. me because I'm really part of the problem, not part yeah. of the solution. The thing is you, that watching... You are you, not helping. Here's what I... Actually, I neither I, are you crackers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We should change it to the Crackers Cracker Pod movie podcast. <laughs> no, I would... What I would say with in regards to what Corey is saying and kind of agreeing is that watching it, it didn't take me out of the movie. I was still into the story. I did notice it. There were certain close-ups of Tilda Swinton where I kind of noticed it. She's got weird scars in the back of her head. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably some story there. <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything. She's not I'm good at saying. shaving. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, but, I have yeah. to say, the other thing I would say about it is normally I really don't enjoy movies that rely heavily on CGI spectacle. Normally I'm very critical of movies that are heavily green screened, that are heavily CGI'd. But this movie is gorgeous. And for someone who is normally very critical of movies that rely heavily on CGI, this had some of the best CGI I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Ever. I, what I thought watching this was not only do will the visual effects people of this movie get the Oscar, they should get the Oscar for the next 10 years. This movie is it, absolutely gorgeous. And I'm not one of these people that um, oohs and ahs over, you know, CGI effects normally. Yeah. I'm one of these people that's kind of curmudgeonly and it's kind of like bring back practical effects and get that green screen. But this movie You couldn't do this absolutely with gorgeous. And not not no. this way. I found Doctor Strange himself a very compelling character. It's just that not all the supporting characters are as well rounded as they are in the Marvel Ensemble movie. So I think you really need to go into this expecting it to be a movie about Doctor Strange, not Doctor Strange and Friends. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. The supporting characterizations are pretty thin, but I did find Doctor Strange himself a very compelling character. And yeah, you will just go crazy with how gorgeous this film looks as well. Right on. Um, All right. Thank you, Corey. I should leave you to it. Get out of here. Yeah. Your, 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 Your cameo's over. All right. No, thank you, though. This has been... Uh, you actually gave some good insight and cleared yeah. some things up. My comments yeah. about whitewashing were probably super offensive. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get so many comments now. I'm uh, just I'm just glad you called me a cracker to my face. <laughs> not behind... As opposed to behind your back. Thanks, Corey. High five. High five. Yes. All right. I'll let you crack as crackers finish your podcast. <laughs> get right. out of the kitchen! <laughs> well, first time that's been said to a woman ever. Okay. All right. That's uh, so let's, <laughs> let's wrap up the non-spoiler spoiler portion. Yeah. Uh, this. Uh, well, like general thoughts on the movie before we get into spoilers. Uh, the movie follows the Marvel formula to its detriment. Although the main character is well written, Benedict Cumberbatch does a great job. The CG looks pretty good, and the visuals are awesome. Hmm. Uh, so uh, this movie is good. Yeah. Um, I'd say I liked it a lot. I am recognizing some of the problems. I sometimes will come... I'm starting to think about how sometimes I have this thing where I will see a big spectacle movie like this and come off of it really high, and then it might take a viewing or two to suddenly start to notice some more of the issues. This could happen with this movie, um, and I could already see some things now that I'm thinking about it after I've left the theater that are maybe problematic with characters like Tola Swinton or like just little things with the supporting characters. But as far as a visual spectacle, it's one of the highlights of this year and many years. It is visually so, you know, thinking about like something like this compared to maybe something like Suicide Squad, which just kind of gave you nothing really that imaginative comparatively well that was kind of just what it was but like this really tries to push some boundaries as far as what you can put into like a big tentpole blockbuster movie and i really i, I just appreciated that 
and it kind of spoke back to some of the trippier comic books that I've read over the years. I think the difference is Suicide Squad was like maybe like five different movies sort of meshed together trying to get something cohesive as, whereas this is only one idea that they keep pushing at you. So if you like the whole Inception, Foldy, Escher-esque stuff, you're going to love this movie because that's basically 90% of what they do. So that's... Well, like, also, this, also when they first show Strange... Yeah, the multi-dimensions. That was a really cool scene. Right, this movie, that was the best scene of the yeah, movie. Definitely. This movie is a bowl full of eye candy. Yeah, but um, and of course the villain is very underwritten, but I really like the way Mads Mikkelsen says stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, well so the performance did it for you. Yeah. Yes, me too. Okay. All right, so let's get into some spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the movie. You might want to switch off because we're going to get into some things. and. Uh... But then you should come back after you watch it and go listen to the second half of this. Or you could be part of the cool group and just listen to spoilers and not even give a damn. I need some bongos now to be even cooler. Add bongo soundtrack, Jack. Stop tapping the floor. Yeah, that's that's going to be annoying for the thing. (laughs) He was doing it first. Okay. So we got to talk about spoiler things. I'm going to ask a question. All right. Who leaves a magic amulet containing an infinity stone that has power over time just lying around? Tilda Swinton? Yes, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently there's no danger of anyone just picking this up and doing the wrong thing, even though they Mm. say in the film... Doing this thing you're doing is very dangerous. It seemed like they didn't have any security because, like, there wasn't any protection for anybody just opening a portal into any of their, like, secret library rooms and taking stuff. Yeah. Like, they didn't figure out, like, any way to stop that. It's yeah, just like, don't do that. Oh, you never could, mind. Well, you could <laughs> there's, well, not you... Even, there's not even security against normal people just walking in and taking things. No. It's, it's kind well, of. Well, weird you could thing. say that maybe they took for granted that. Nobody would open up like one of those dimensional portals and go into the library if they didn't know it was there until Benedict Cumberbatch actually is messing with it. The only people who can open dimensional portals are magicians who have studied at this place. Okay. So they know about this place clearly by the virtue of the fact that they are sorcerers and magicians. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't they open portals to go to forbidden parts of the place which they know exists. They need that to happen at that point in the I, story. Apparently, they, I never, they never figured out anyone would become evil. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and basically, that's... and two people from and yeah. several other minor characters just become evil in Be- this school because that's their whole basic like operating system is that like, hey, come learn magic. You can do stuff that you can't do in regular life. And then, oh wait, you've learned enough magic. You can't learn any of this forbidden magic, even though we've got you hooked on the magic drugs and you need a bigger shot now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like a pusher. Yeah. <laughs> so um. Okay. We so, did get finally finally get the last Infinity Stone though. Yeah. We know what it is. It's mm-hmm. that magic thingy. The yeah. green is it the green thing, right? The, the green thing. The Eye of Agamotto. Actually, wait. Do we is that what they do? They call it that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have. Wait, we didn't get the Soul Gem yet though, did we? All right. So there's Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. And then there's um. Is, did Loki right. had something to do with Infinity Stone? Okay, yes. there was... Uh, Alright, so there's Are a Tesseract. There three of them? Tesseract is... There's that purple one from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. There's the Ether, which is liquidy, but it's a stone anyway. Yeah. Uh, there's the thing that's in Vision's forehead. Yeah. Which I think is the Soul Stone. Mind Stone. Mind Stone. And then there's the this one. Yeah. So there are only five. No, there's six. Yeah. There are six? There are six Infinity Damn Gems. It. Do you think that well, Marvel is just... There are only five hands on... Five yeah, but there's on one on the back of the globe. Whatever. Uh, okay. Uh, the, the, is it just... It's a good thing the, you're here. I have to say, <laughs> like, whenever they just mention the word Infinity Stone, there's a part of me that just kind of, like, goes Checks into, out. like... Yeah. Because I'm just like... Which one just, is the ether supposed yeah. to be? Um, reality. Reality? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it's just kind of like, who cares? I, I don't care about the Infinity Stones. I'm sorry. I'm just like... I kind of zone out, and I'm like... Oh, you're talking about the MacGuffin again. Because it's the gigantic MacGuffin. Maybe it means more in the comics. No, that's not a MacGuffin. In this case, he used it to do something. The MacGuffin is something that serves no... no, no. In in this movie, it it is used more. In other movies, not so much, though. Well... Like, in Guardians of the Galaxy, it didn't... I don't know. They were... No, uh, they were going to use that to destroy an entire planet. Yeah, that's not MacGuffin territory. A MacGuffin is basically useless Incidental. in terms of plot yeah. devices. It's just something that what? you seek. It's something used to trap lions in Scotland. Yeah, this isn't used to do that. This is used by Thanos to be a dick. Um, Thanos doesn't have any Infinity Stones because he's a loser. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I have uh, this grand plan to get all these Infinity Stones. Not one of my plans has worked. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we got a two-parter coming up that's gonna make oh, things man. work out. Yeah, you know how you know how I picture the first. Infinity- I feel like this review is gonna be a whole lot of Marvel bashing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I kind of feel like you guys are bashing Marvel a lot. I'm like the defender here. Yeah, you're, you're one Netflix of the defenders. Defender? <laughs> Punch. Um, you yeah, know what I though? I, maybe McGovern McGuff- was probably the wrong word. I guess it's just that like, I. No, no, obviously not thinking about yeah, the Tesseract is pretty damn important in Avengers and yeah, the the, the thing so you're that he has here. <laughs> Alright, I, I, I was a little bit mistaken I guess, because I was it's just when I hear the word Infinity Stone, I just when I heard, when it, it was called the other thing, it, it was more important because it wasn't called that. It was just another, it was the yeah. important I thing in the movie mean. that yeah. moved the story for, and yeah, I kind of agree. I think the Eye of Agamotto is more impressive when it's its own thing, like in the comics, when it's not an Infinity Gem. Oh, so it's not an no, Infinity Gem. No, in not at oh, all. Oh, so they retrofit it for this yes. movie. Mm-hmm. Like ah. a lot of other things, yeah. like the uh, like the Tesseract. Yeah, it's not an Infinity Gem. None of these things are really Infinity Gems that they're showing you in the movie. That might be what I'm reacting to. That it's I hope all... that the last one is like, it looks like a rubber duck. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm no guessing that, so the sixth one I guess will be in that Avengers movie. I think or maybe in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It could be in two. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because... But what about Thor Ragnarok? Well, I don't know, because usually the soul gem is in Adam Warlock's head and he's the Guardians of the Galaxy character. So that's what the smart money's on. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I just Mads picture... Mickelson. He's awesome. Yeah. What is his character's problem again? He wants to live forever. Why? And be- because, because so who wouldn't want to live because forever? Because somebody died before he learned magic, and Dormammu is gonna give everybody immortal life, so he'll stop time and death and stuff. Yeah. Because Dormammu is an honorable demon. Dur- <laughs> Dormammu is awesome. Dormammu was one of my favorite things Actually, in this movie. Actually, Dormammu was kind of disappointing to me. Why? Because Dormammu, like in the comics, he's got like the cool head on fire. He doesn't have a head on fire in this. It's just like he's wavy just like black like things, and it's disappointing. And then also, it, they have a really cool sequence where he keeps killing Doctor Strange yeah, over and over. It's which great. is hilarious. And but then at the end, he's like, "I'm so bored of killing you. I'll give up my plans to conquer the Earth if you just let me out." And that that's like really undermines him as like an overwhelming force of evil. That that's all it takes for him to I, stop I bought his evil into plan. That. I, I never. Wow, once you, once you resist him a little bit, he's just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he resisted him a lot. He died, like, it seemed like a hundred times. Yeah, but then, like, you think that, like, I'm Dormammu, I'm, like, some great cosmic force, I'll eventually, like, beat this stupid time loop because you're a mere human with an infinity stone. Well, that's what the, the point that, that's the point that Chuel Ejiofor makes to him. You know, it's like, yeah, you just did this. You're going to bring a lot more crap on us now. Like, I, li- I kind of like that line, though, because they do talk about how playing with time is dangerous mm-hmm. which it totally is yeah it always uh, is so <laughs> and then at the end he uses this time altering infinity stone to solve his problem and then Twedle Ezreal Force says you realize you've probably just messed up a whole bunch of stuff by you, doing you, you this, really right? just caused you you, you I don't might... ca- I don't care that you finally got rid of our Mads Mikkelsen problem this is going to rain down on us in the future. I feel like we haven't seen the last of Dormammu. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, he went away for now because he was probably just annoyed. Like, isn't Dormammu basically a god? Essentially. Yeah. Like, gods will often fuck with humans, and then they might bore, get bored with them. That's how I read into that. I don't know. I don't think that's just like for the first introductory movie, you don't make your big bad look like a punk. Like, oh, I'm. He didn't get... look like a punk. He did. He did. He he capitulated way too early. Like, oh, I'm getting so bored of killing a human. Oh damn. All right, I'll give up my plans to conquer Earth. <laughs> to me, it seemed a little bit more like bring up Aladdin again. I thought of like the end of Aladdin. Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. When like Jafar asked to become a genie. And then Aladdin tells him, not so fast, Jafar. Aren't you forgetting something? You wanted to be a genie? You got it. And that's kind of like what happens to Mads Mikkelsen here. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, you want to live forever. You got it. And then you see him, like, melting away. Yeah. Like, I like that part of it. I, I defend the ending of this He goes into an alternate dimension, which is mostly purple. And, and, looks, <laughs> and looks like a bunch of floating sperm. <laughs> sperm cells, <baby. laughs> This is the, the only moral point, of the story this is here. The is... only point in which I would say that the visuals failed, because it basically looks like just a bunch of sperm <laughs> under an electronic microscope, <laughs> plus a few viruses maybe floating around in a purple haze. Uh, Walt under Disney a black light. Walt Disney presents <laughs> the, the whatever, purple haze sperm. Whatever the hell shadow zone <laughs> that Dormammu is from. The dark dimension. Right, the dark dimension. 
I, I'm not even going to bring up the name, but <laughs> I can't. It's dumb. That, uh, that, <laughs> Look, it's a 60s comic. That, I, I got to take some. No, the... it's bad because everything else in the film looks awesome. Oh, you, oh, you mean the New visual? City oh, scene? oh, you mean the visual effect? Yes, I. The whole design is you know New York City looks awesome when it's all tessellated and and yeah. infinite looking with mirrors and all the other dimensions wait, wait, wait. look kind of cool. All like the universe has looked really interesting, especially when they're doing their psychedelic yeah. two thousand one thing. Yeah. All that looks awesome, except for this dark dimension. Which looks like a bunch of stuff under a microscope, and it's purple. And Dormammu <laughs> is just a giant, shimmering head thing. That's <laughs> where the visual department really let us nah, down. I don't know. I yeah. still enjoyed that. Okay. Is it as great as what comes earliest in the movie? Maybe not. But, I still but that it. makes it worse because it's in the climax, the most exciting part of the film. Yeah. And this mm. is what they give us. Especially if you want Dormammu to be, like, a returning threat later on, then he's still going to be... You have that memory of him being the underwhelming big boss that was... Maybe they'll redesign him and make him look actually interesting. Hopefully. Maybe he'll be pissed next time and, like, come with the head of fire and be like, "You, I'm so mad, strange. I'm boiling mad. (laughs) I'm steaming mad. I'm burning mad. That's a Ghost Rider reference. Writer, not writer. (laughs) Anyhow. All right, all right. It's on PBS. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Dickless Cage and the Ghost Rider. Yes. Um, Um, Another weird thing, though, is that um, the guy Matt Nixon is playing Caselius is not a very important character at all in the books. He's actually a servant of Baron Mordo. So this whole thing to me was very weird because they essentially gave mm. a very, very minor henchman Baron Mordo's like whole character arc. So yeah. then they have to chew well a Jofer then I don't really get what they're going to do with him going forward because his they already did basically what he does. Like, it just seems like he's just going to be, like, killing off magicians. So a magician serial killer, just, I don't know. He seems... kills them by sawing them in half. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> sort of, like, I don't didn't really see that making him an ally to but start it's, deepened his character this is another much. symbol. This is another symptom of the Marvel formula where you just take character names Mm -hmm. and assign them to actors and don't do much that's meaningful with them but instead trying to set up like the more important villains wasn't like just having these throwaway villains i don't know if it was the 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 wasn't was it the ancient one or is it like one of the villains that like weren't there kind of like Slightly racist caricatures in the original Doctor Strange books, or am I just well, thinking, I think am I just thinking about, of the Mandarin? You're thinking of it's... comic books in general. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of the Mandarin. Hey kids, here's uh, here's your character, the ancient one. He he looks fine. I mean, a lot a lot of comic book characters written back in the Golden Age and Silver Age, and well, a lot of ages past that are based on like these ethnic stereotypes. Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean you can't adapt them into something which is much more dignified. Let me bring up that scene though, where uh, so it's strange and uh, also not Asian. Is his name Cassius? Cassilius. 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 He's the (laughs) Cassilius. It's not a name that rolls off the tongue. He and uh, Strange have a fight uh, in the, the... Is it the London no, it's part the, of it? No, the New York Sanctum Sanctorum when he shoots... The... Oh, I'm, I'm thinking of the first oh. time that they fight. Oh, though. okay. And, and, you know, they, they get into that kind of fight, which is a pretty cool fight. It involves... 
also like the henchmen getting thrown into different portals. One of them gets thrown into a desert. Um, and then he locks up uh, Cassilius into like this armor suit. Briefly. Yeah. And they have this kind of scene where Cassilius is explaining what his whole thing is with the dark dimension. And there's this thing where it's a, it's a, you know, cutting back and forth close ups between Strange and Cassilius. Mads Mickelson is so great in that scene. Yes. He almost kind of transcends his dialogue yeah. because it's like you can see almost like the makeup they has on, but he's like crying or something. Yeah. I don't know if that might have been just because maybe the actor, maybe Mickelson was like he couldn't stand the makeup or something. <laughs> like, but or maybe added... he's just like, okay, how can I make this awesome? I'm gonna cry during the scene for no yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, I I noticed that too. I saw that tear streak down his cheek, and I'm like. Ah, oh, that's an interesting choice. Yeah. I don't know if that was unintentional or not, but it made it a little different, and I like that. Yeah. He, yeah. he, he always really, brings a great intensity to in his In that characters. monologue, he brought something into that character just for the briefest moment. But it made it work. It, it's like he had some real passion. It's like that character had some real passion and really believed in something. Yeah. It's The trouble is, is that the rest of the script does not support that. Well, it, it, to me, that at least... When we're talking about kind of the the weaker Marvel villains, among the weaker villains, he's above uh, what what's his Chris Reckleson from Thor Malekith. two, Malekith, <laughs> and Lee Pace in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, so I mean, there's always this sliding scale with the villains of these movies. That's always even I, who will defend this movie, will admit you know the villainy part is always very you know weak which is really oh, not always weak but the majority of the time it's weak. even though they're getting awesome actors for all these roles oh of course always I... they're always getting good people they had the uh, cory stoll and ant-man they had uh 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 and i pace for yeah. uh ronan the accuser yeah that, they just the galaxy, they need to way. bring in joss whedon to like reshape some of these villains just we can't single-handedly save like the marvel universe from its no bad script trends no he's kind of out anyway but like but but he brought a lot between loki and an ultron for me so yeah well you're right about that did nothing for baron strucker though <laughs> nah. all right um, I'm trying kill to think of other things to talk kill about. Kill him off. <laughs> was, do, will we put Chalel Ejiofor's character? Uh, let me look up what his... Baron Mordo. Name went. Yeah, well, that's an interesting name. Bar is he also... Is he black in the comics? No, he's a white Romanian. Uh. So I was kind of disappointed he didn't do a Transylvanian accent. Chalel Ejiofor can't do everything, Matt. Why not? They got um, Benedict Cumberbatch to speak American. Yeah, that was a little awkward at times because I could tell that he was really like. Occasionally, it, it's I don't know if it bothers me so much, but like I can just almost tell that they're fighting their real accent. Like that happened to me. Like whenever I've seen little clips of Jamie Dornan in uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, mm -hmm. like it's like I know you speak Irish, talk Irish. <laughs> Trying to talk in this like flat American accent is weird. I, and I think the way Benedict Cumberbatch went about it in this movie was trying to be like Hugh Laurie in House. Yeah. When I first heard his voice, I was like, did they get Hugh Laurie to play Strange or something? At the last minute, and not tell anyone. <laughs> which would have been, which would have been amazing. Yes. Hugh Laurie would have been an awesome Doctor Strange. I mean, it would have been typecasting, but who cares? Yeah, yeah that would have worked. Yeah, the only per yeah the only other person who could have been better Doctor Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, Hugh Laurie. 
I'm sure I've, I've probably now pissed off people like, no, we want the... the, the, the. Originally, I think that they may... We want Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that's a character. <laughs> You're just making me out think of this Red Lair Media skit where, like, they're talking about Star Wars. And, yeah, they make up a character like, like uh, let's have Gubaga. <laughs> and they have, like, an action figure that pops up on the screen. Gubaga. <laughs> oh, speaking of Mads Mikkelsen, he's going to be in next Star Wars. Yeah. Yes. That could be kind of interesting. He'll probably be in one scene and that's it. Two. <laughs> there's the flashback scene he's, and there's just the modern He's scene. obviously going to be in a prologue scene and then they're going to have to find him later and he'll probably be dead. Jenny Nicholson actually did a really good video explaining this. All the characters that are going to be in Rogue One and we've completely stopped talking about Doctor Strange. No, right I'm sorry. <laughs> I, hey, we're still talking about a Disney thing. Um... But anyway, I was about to say Trilogy 4. I, I mean, I liked his character, even though he was also kind of stuck. He was also didn't really make sense because he was all like, you can't play with the natural order. You can't play with the natural order. Like, like you're magicians. You're already screwing around with, like, space yeah, and time. I don't, and well, no, he, no I, I got where he was coming from. He had kind of... He tried to have a code I, it, of some yeah. kind. Because he, he, he... You know, because he... You know, he first he trusted the Ancient One... Then the twist comes that, oh no, she's been also using the dark dimension to do shit. And then he feels kind of betrayed. And that mixes him up a little bit. But by the end of the movie, he's still, no, no, you can't keep messing with this. You need to keep some order. So I think he does serve... A, a solid function in the story. Well, he's sort of become like a magic hypocrite, though, because he's going around using magic to then kill all the other magicians. Now. Oh no, well, no, he he does mention that. So, but I don't know if it makes him hypocritical. the magic out of your spine. Yeah, which is really weird because that guy, that was the one guy who wasn't doing anything to upset the cosmic balance. He that was like was, totally retired. That was he odd. He just wanted to walk around. That the was block. odd. Yeah. What was? Yeah. Now we're really getting into the super spoiler because we're talking about. The final post credit scene. Yeah, what was up with that? Like, are they setting him up to be a villain? Yes, yeah. he's Baron Mordo. He's Doctor Strange's arch nemesis. You, oh, remember yeah. when I told you that he that basically gave Mads Mikkelsen character all of Baron Mordo's character traits? And oh, yeah. I mean, essentially, you could have had those two characters condensed into one, given Doctor Strange and the Ancient One more scenes together. And you could have had Baron Mordo survive the end of the film and just go on to do more villainous stuff. Yes. I mean, do that. So they're setting up either a sequel or some other role for him in the future. Right. Where he's going, where suddenly, even though Baron Mordo has been trying to like have this moral code, now it's kind of broken down. I think that might be the one thing that is interesting with Trilogy 4 2 for me, but now you're he saying all has, this. And he still I feel, has a rigid moral code. It's just beyond. It just, it just it's kind of broken. Restraint. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they okay. could have folded several characters Again. into one and yeah. done a lot better. Yeah, I'm realizing this now. Yeah, given like Rachel McAdams some more things to do in plot. Have taking... her traveled between uh, dimensions as a witch. Yeah. On her interdimensional broomstick. Yes. Mm. Is that a thing? It could be now. So Sorry. maybe in a. So yeah. So it was a little. Mm. You're saying all these things. <laughs> you I'm... seem defeated, Jack. No, no, I'm just no. It's not being Quick, defeated. Quick, keep pounding I'm... him down. We'll get no, into I'm thinking about level. things more. I I need to think sometimes. Thinking Become... is the enemy of enjoyment, Jack. <laughs> 
That's called critical thinking. That's the first... why I don't enjoy life anymore. We... I can't shut it off. The first. By the way, is... go to Macatani's blog where you can find him not enjoying life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, basically, Jackson. <laughs> it's called no, MattMacatania.wordpress.com. Well, we'll do the full official One plug in a little thing. bit. Let's talk about the first credit sequence. Basically, just setting up Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Thor, I, I figured Strange, that. they meet. They're, they're kind of cool. I'm really looking forward to Thor Ragnarok in one way because of the director. Uh, the guy who's making it is this guy, Taiki, Taika Watiti, mm-hmm. I think is his name. Okay. And he did a movie I really liked a lot, which I might have talked about on the show before, called What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Um, which was this, like, mockumentary, like, about, like, vampires who are, like, roommates right. in New Zealand. And it was just really funny and very, like, not different, but it took a, a concept and ran with it. And he's made a number of movies. He's an interesting choice to helm a Marvel movie. I'm hoping, like, that maybe he he brings something extra to what is the third movie in a long continuing series of movies. Well, the um, Thor series has had a series of interesting directors. Kenneth yeah. Branagh did the first one. Some other guy did the second one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nondescript guy who worked on some Game of Thrones episodes. Thor 2 was kind of blah. But, yeah. Uh, it w- <laughs> but the first Thor set up kind of uh, a kind of a cool world and character. Mm-hmm. That didn't do that much with because they bring him to Earth. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so, so let's anyway, wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. We're going a little... Jack has changed his opinion. He now hates this. No, (laughs) no, screw you, Andrew. You don't do that to me. I still like this movie a lot. I do. I'm not time. Hey, hey. (laughs) I am defending what is. I'm not even defending. I don't need to defend it. I think that this is a really fun movie, and I think that Strange is a really great character. That, like, at the least, I'm. You have at least opened up room. To have, like, cool, strange adventures in the future. Yeah. Marvel just has to get over its weird aversion to magic and just kind of embrace it. And it's like, yeah, magic. Poof. You know what yeah. it is? And then you just know, be like, oh, here are some cool adventures of Doctor Strange. You know what I suddenly realized what could be a cool... Then This is one last aside while we're in our final thoughts. What will be kind of an interesting origin... Not even origin movie, but solo movie is when they do Black Panther... Because right. now they've already introduced that character in Civil War, so they don't need to do the origin. They could just go right into like a Black Panther story. Right. So maybe that was the one problem is that they need to stop it being like the origin thing. They need to introduce more characters as minor characters in other bigger movies, so then when they have their solo movies, it can be just about the plot. But maybe right. they could do a flashback. To so that's early why days is a Panther Cub. So that's why I think I mentioned about that. Maybe you did need to, even if it wasn't perfect, you still need to have like a like an origin solo strange movie like this, because if you just kind of if you threw like strange into like event Avengers. Hey guys, I'm magic. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna toss around this city right now. What? <laughs> you do need to kind of show a little bit of context for that. And I agree with and, and to bring up uh, from what Corey said before, I actually like the first act a bit setting it up too, but mostly because of the character and Cumberbatch. 
Yeah, they, they did a good job. Actually, I was surprised how much magic they did get in because usually when they had something that could be an easy way for them to do magic, like any of the Thor films, they kind of Clark's Law and say, oh, no, 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 just super science, no magic here. But here, they basically kept that to a minimum and were just like, yeah, astral planes, yep, Ayagamato, Wanda yeah. Tomb, doing yeah, stuff, They magic. do accept the weirdness in this yeah. movie. That's what I think attracted me to this. I like weird stuff. Yeah. They don't go into it too deeply, which is good. Yeah. Okay, so those are our thoughts on Doctor Strange. Yes, we we had lots of thoughts. We might have to astral project them out to you next time. We changed some minds and we changed some hearts, and so, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to bid you good night. Well, well, before that, an oh, official wait, plug on. for Matt because it was done kind of half half-assedly. You can visit guest star Matt. AKA, well, real name Matthew Catania at his blog, which is mattthecatania.wordpress.com. And you can find him on Facebook. So if you want, like his page there. He's also on Twitter as Matt the Catania. Yep, still Matt the Catania. Good. He's also the author of a really awesome novel called The Adventures of Brother Bane The Nose. Dolorous Adventures of Brother Bane Nose. Don't the interrupt me. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't interrupt Andrew when he's mistaking your book title. Yes. It's unfortunately currently out of print. I still have a few copies left if you want to contact me. <laughs> or you can wait for the second edition, which is going to be put out by Lucky Press, which hopefully I'll have an update for you soon. Yes, so or I mean so if you want to get the like super rare version of this book, which will someday be like like the first printing of like the alt cover of like Spider-Man number two or something, then get that or wait until this next version comes out. What uh, Jack said. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, I'm I'm glad you listened to us and uh, and go check out go check out a movie. You know. Check out this movie. Yeah. Doctor um, Strange. Yeah. And if you decide and if you've seen it and have thoughts on it, make sure to send us an email to agesofcinema at gmail .com. You can also reach us on Facebook, Twitter. Tumblr, Instagram, we're on all those things. Let us know what you thought. We'll read your comment on the air. We'll read your name. You'll be there emblazoned in our podcast uh, Hall of Fame. For all time. Is that a thing you guys actually do? We mm -hmm. should do it. <laughs> you could be part of our Hall of Fame, <laughs> Matt. I could. I should take advantage of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right into our show, Matt. Um, so, with that, I'm Jack. I'm Andrew. I'm guest star Matt. And remember, the wages of cinema is... Strange. Why are you doing this? There are other ways to save lives. So much you don't know. Teach me. Oh, and one last thing. This is Jack. Stanley cameo. Awesome.